Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week two in a message series called Back in the Day. This, uh, this message series is kind of an unusual format, uh, which I'll explain to you in a moment. And it was born of some significant introspection. Uh, I got to take some time off this summer. Some of it was vacation time. Some of it was our management team telling me, uh, you're benched for a little bit because you need to go work a few things out in your head. Uh, and it gave me some time to think, and it was really good for me. I'm excited to beginning this new series of, uh, you know, season of ministry. But also, I'm introspective lately because I'm turning 50 this month, which is the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the clapping. I guess all I did really was keep breathing. Okay, so, um, but I'm getting there. So if, I still don't know how I feel about it, honestly. But I've been introspective, and what I'm doing in this season is I've been rereading journal entries from back in the day. I've been rereading, you know, I've been keeping a journal since I was a teenager. Not always, but on and off over the years. And I've got a stack of notebooks that contain you know, my thoughts and my prayers and the, my struggles and the things I was dealing with, you know, in younger years. And reading these journal entries from back in the day, I kept having this recurring, like, this urge and this want. I don't know if you guys have ever had a, had a daydream like this. I kept wanting to go back in time and say things to my younger self. Like, I wanted to, to, to have, you, have you, ever, you ever wanted to go back and relive a portion of your life knowing what you know now? You know, like you'd go back and, you, you know, if you could grab a hold of your younger self or if you could relive a window of time, you know, there was that girl that you never had the courage to ask out and she was the one that got away or there was that bully that you never stood up to and you, you kind of wish you had or there's just that situation that you wish you had never gone near or maybe it was, I mean, there's a little bit of this. Have you ever had, let me ask you guys a question. You ever had a situation in your life that you're just really, really, really nervous about, like you're super, super scared about it, and then it just turns out to be nothing? Like you were, you were so worried for so long, and it all just worked out beautifully. There were so many times I wanted to go back in time and just go, buddy, just have a little faith, take a breath, it's all going to be okay. So born of this introspection uh, came a, a, a memory from physics class in high school that Albert Einstein theorized that time travel was in fact possible. He believed time travel would one day become possible. And who am I to argue with Albert Einstein? So what I have basically put together with this sermon is I'm going to record a message that I will, in theory, one day send back in time to my younger self. Last week I talked to my 15-year-old self. So if you're a teenager or a high school student or your son and daughter is a high school student, you might want to dial up that message from last week. Today, in just a moment, I am going to turn to the camera and I'm going to record a message for my 21-year-old self. So if you're new to our church, you know, uh, this may feel a little weird. If you're watching online, you're going to get a lot of eye contact from me uh, because normally I'm talking to the crowd and I look at you once in a while, but in a minute I'm going to be all up in your, milk, all up in your, your, your mug, in your grill, okay? So, uh, but for you guys, this may feel a little weird. And I know, if you're new and you're already like, what kind of a weird church is this and you need to leave, it's okay. The exits are clearly marked. We'll see you another time. Uh, all right, and with that, <laughs> with that, I'm going to now start talking to my 21-year-old 
self. Ready? Here we go. Bert, what's up? It's Bert. It's me. It's you from the future. Um, the last time I did this, it was six, uh, it was seven days ago for me and six years ago for you. Now, six years is a long time for anybody, but the years, the six year span between 15 and 21 is huge. And a lot has changed in your life in those six years. So, like last time, I've been reading your journal entries, and I'm looking at what's going on in your life, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that. I'm grateful that you're writing this stuff down, and I'm, I'm uh, watching what's going on. Last time we spoke, I talked to you about insecurity. We spoke a little bit about insecurity. And I gave you a Bible verse, a scripture verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You recall that? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And what we talked about was God made you, let God define you. And the verse was, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I'm hoping that that's something that you're still walking in and something you're still reminding yourself of. Because as I read your journal entries, a lot of that same insecurity is still with you. Another thing I see uh, in your journal entries is you're, you seem to be uh, a little depressed, maybe. You're just sort of in the dumps. You're 21 years old. You're a senior in college, and the year is 1992, and you're still mourning the loss of the 80s. You're upset about this. Like, you're not happy about it. The whole world seems to have changed, and your world seems to have changed. You're on the edge of adulthood. Your high school years are behind you, long behind you. Your college years are now coming to an end, and you're going to have to turn the corner and become a full-blown grown-up pretty soon. And it just feels like the world, everything's changing, and you don't like it. When you turn on the radio, uh, you're hearing songs like Jeremy from Pearl Jam. Uh, House of Pain by Jump Around is on the radio. And your favorite band, U2, has reinvented themselves with an album called Achtung Baby, which you absolutely hate, and, and you just wish things could go back to the way they were, and they can't, because the number one song in the country right now, for you, is the song that changed everything. Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. When you go to the movies, you're seeing films like uh, A Few Good Men, Last of the Mohicans, and of course, Wayne's World, which you loved, but which also hurt, because it just reminded you that the 80s were over because they're already being parodied. So you're not happy about all that. But there's a lot of cool stuff happening in your life still. You're, you're, you're 21, you're a senior in college, and you now know that your life is about to take a radically different path. You now know the path you were on to be an English teacher, it's not where you're going. The path you then diverted onto to become a journalist, that's not where you're going. You now know you're going to be a youth pastor. What you understand in this moment of time is there is nothing that makes you feel more alive, nothing that just turns you on inside and makes you feel alive like the work that you're doing with that little youth group in Staten Island. 
those, those lessons you're putting together for your small group, the time you're prepping, like to talk to these high school students, they're like little sermons, they're like these little miniature messages, and you're developing a way of telling stories that, that these kids seem to want to listen to, and, and this path onto youth ministry is good, and it's beautiful, and it leads you to fantastic places. So stay on that path. But along with that affirmation, I have to bring you a warning, and it's a big deal, so pay attention, because this is where things really do get a little scary for you. And the story starts off innocently enough. You're in, in a month or two, you're gonna be walking across the quad at, at college, and you're gonna see a couple of tables set up with tablecloths on them and with balloons. There's lots of balloons, and there's people that seem to be gathered around them, and there's music playing near there, and, and there's a stack of t-shirts, and somebody seems to be giving out free t-shirts. And there's a pretty girl with a clipboard. And you want a free t-shirt, and you wanna talk to the pretty girl, so you walk over to the, to the pretty girl, and in like a minute, you have a clipboard in your hand, and you are absent-mindedly filling out an application for your very first credit card. And you're so excited. I mean, you're just psyched because, you know, that's something for adults. That's something that adults have, and even though you're mourning the loss of your, your younger years, you're kind of just thinking, this is going to be awesome, and that'll be a cool thing. And when it comes in the mail three weeks later, you're psyched, and it has your name on it as a Visa card, and you, you put it in your wallet, and you know, you kind of feel like a big shot next time you pull that thing out at the, at the, at the restaurant when everyone's getting ready to pay. Like, it feels good to have that. And, and you tell yourself that it, it'll be good for emergencies in case you have to call a tow truck or something else. And you kind of just keep it in your wallet and don't think very much of it after that. And for several months, uh, when you use it, you use it sparingly, but when you use it, you do something very wise. You pay the balance off in its entirety at the end of every month because that's all you know to do. That's, as you understand it, a credit card is to be paid off in full at the end of every month. So if you go um, out with your friends, if you uh, put gas in your car, or you go to the movies, or you do whatever you're gonna do, you put the money to the side so that you have enough money to pay your credit card in full at the every month. That's just, at the end of every month, that's just what you do. But a couple of months goes by, and like by the spring, you notice a field at the top of your credit card statement that baffles you. A field that you, truthfully, you just don't understand. It says, minimum payment do. And you, like, truthfully, you just don't get that. Because you know you charge $250 worth of stuff, you owe $250. That's how it works, right? And so you kind of just ignore that little field and go on about your life. But pretty soon, your curiosity gets the better of you, and you ask mom. You bring the credit card statement to the kitchen, and you ask mom, and you say, mom, what's that? Why does it say minimum payment due? What is that? And mom explains to you, well, that's the minimum payment due. That's the minimum you could pay. And you go, wait, what? Explain this to me. And she goes, well, you don't, okay, you, look, your max is 250. You charge $250 worth of stuff. You don't have to pay all $250 back now. You could just pay back the minimum payment, which is like $18. And, and what you do in that moment is your eyes get real big and you go, what? I owe, wait, let me get this right. Let me, let me just get this straight. 
I owe Visa $250 for all this stuff that I already have, but I only have to give them $18 this month? This concept to you blows your ever-loving mind. You can't fathom that that could be, this is too good to be true for you. you you're, you're so excited. You haven't been this excited until you, since you got 18 CDs for a penny from Columbia House. That's, that's how excited you are right now. So you're psyched, and, you, and, and like the Columbia House thing, you don't know what you just stepped in. So what happens next is this. You have just been given the ability to live beyond your means. Before this moment, if you didn't have the money to do something, you didn't do it. Friends are going out. I'm broke right now, can't make it. Every, people are going to shoot pool, they're going to the city, they're going someplace, something's going on. You, you don't have the money, you don't go. Now, you don't have to say no to anything. And that's dangerous for you because you're, su you're suffering from something, you're struggling with something that doesn't have a name yet, but we've got a name for it now in my timeline. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. You got a bad case of it, buddy. Every time people, you, you, you can't stand the idea that some of your friends might go out and do something without you. You want to be a part of all of it. So you start doing exactly that. You start living beyond your means. You spend more money than you have every month. Month after month. After month, after month, after month, after month. And as time goes on, you stop becoming more wealthy and you start becoming poorer. You start growing in your debt. And pretty soon that debt is so big and that minimum payment is mounting and you're not able to handle it. It actually becomes a source of guilt for you. It becomes a source of shame. You're embarrassed about it. I, I understand th this little piece of plastic looks innocent enough. Buddy, this is as close as I come to warning you about a Terminator traveling back in time to kill you. That credit card is dangerous. Use it only when you must. And when you use it, pay the balance off at the end of every month. Don't live beyond your means. Another thing we talked about last time we were together, you love to be generous. You still love to be generous. The bigger that credit card balance grows, the harder it is for you to give money away. You can't live the way you want to live, not in the stuff you do, but in your generosity. Pay attention. That little piece of plastic is dangerous. The other thing you got to get your head around is this thing between you and dad. I know, I know, it's getting bad. I know it because I'm reading the journal entries and I know it because the, the memories are still so vivid even after all these years. He's always angry. There's so much screaming in the house. There's so much yelling at the house. The threat of violence hangs heavy like a storm cloud in the house. And although you haven't had a full-blown fist fight yet, it's getting physical. And you just want out. You have never so badly just wanted to get out of there. You're doing all you can to just be out of the house whenever he is home. And there is a rage growing in you 
There's just this, this anger, like, like a murderous rage has taken seed in you. And, and there's a hatred growing almost by the day. For starters, your response is normal because you're in pain. Because you don't feel safe in your own home. And that's a terrible thing to endure. Soon, within the next year, you turn a corner on this. And it is not coincident with when you leave the house. It happens before. This corner you turn, this switch that is flipped in you, looks like this. You find a way, and I want to expedite this process as best I can for you. You find a way to move from anger to compassion. It occurs for you, it occurs to you for the first time at 21 years old, it occurs to you for the first time that your father is himself in pain. That the pain he is inflicting on you comes from a deep, deep wound within himself. That he is himself dealing with issues from his family of origin. And that he's just doing the best he can with the cards he was dealt. And it occurs to you for the first time at 21 that he is embarrassed of his own behavior. That he does not like the man he's become. And you're starting to remind him of him. So if you can move down that path, do it. When you begin to see your father through the eyes of compassion, you take away all his ability to be intimidating. When you start to see him through the eyes of compassion, you take away all his ability to have this, this power over you. You take away his power over you. You understand that your life is in God's hands, and this is the father that you had for reasons you don't yet understand, but that these years are gonna shape you and make you far more compassionate in, as a youth pastor, to the number of kids you're going to deal with who have terrible relationships with their dad. You're learning things in these years that even you yourself don't have a good vocabulary for. Also, know this. It's complicated, this thing between fathers and sons. I haven't told you yet, but we have kids Two beautiful girls and a boy, a son. And I'm so happy to be able to address one of your deepest fears now. You don't grow up to be the kind of father that your father was. You have a very different relationship with your son. You guys get along great and you're pals and it's awesome and you're not perfect and you make a bunch of mistakes, but your relationship with him is wonderful. So as you're able to, move to compassion with regard to dad. And finally, figure out a way to walk in humility. You're 21 years old and you don't know everything. 
You think you do. I'm reading it in your journals. You just There's like an arrogance that you're walking in that is starting to get dangerous. And that, in some ways, is normal. There is nothing like a 21-year-old or somebody in their early 20s to feel like they know everything. But you don't. Some of what you now think is permanent isn't. The next time you get a chance to take a good look at the Twin Towers, do it. Because here in my timeline, we're marking the 20th anniversary of the day the World Trade Center came down in a terrorist attack. Inconceivable to you, I know. It rattled us, not just because we lost loved ones, everybody knew somebody who lost somebody, but because at a base level, things we thought were permanent were suddenly impermanent. You don't know everything. You must learn to walk in humility. My verse for you this week is Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others to be better than yourself. In humility, consider others to be better than yourself. The things you think are permanent are not. You don't know it all. The only permanent thing in all the cosmos is God and his great love for you. So, cut up the credit card. Move to compassion with regard to dad and walk in humility. And I will see you again in 12 years. Peace. And cut. I got really emotional, sorry. Okay, so, did you hear yourself in there somewhere? Did you see yourself in there somewhere? Can we talk quick about the credit cards? No? You want me to change the subject? <laughs> it's okay, I understand. Look at, and we'll come back someday to have a fuller discussion about this, but the average American individual right now is carrying more than $6,000 in credit card debt. $6,000. That's the average number. Some of you have less than that, but that's an average number. So there's some of you in the room right now, you wish you had $6,000 worth of credit card debt, and you're paying 18% a year on those thousands of dollars, and what you've not put together is 18, 18% is barely an interest rate. That's a VIG. You may as well owe that money to the mafia. That's a crazy rate of interest, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's starting to identify you, and it's become a source of shame, and it's been around so long. Your credit card debt has been around so long, it's basically a pet. It's just like a part of your life, and you think it'll always be a part of your life. I want to encourage you to, to flip a switch on that and say, man, credit card debt, consumer debt does not need to be a part of your life. You could now start backing things down, live within your means. Inconceivable, though I know it is. Downgrade the cable package. Find a way to, to, to make do on less so you can get aggressive and get serious and pay down that debt. It's been owning you. It's been, it's been a source of shame to you. You will love how good it feels to start seeing that number go in the right direction. 
to take control of it, to stop feeling helpless, to stop feeling like it owns you, to stop feeling like, like, like it's just got you handcuffed, to say, no, 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 I'm in control of this. I'm going to make decisions on my terms to start seeing that number go in the right direction. You will love how it feels. And what about this stuff with your dad? We all kind of have to forgive our dads, don't we? I'm aware it just got awkward for some of you. Some of you are like sitting next to your dad right now. Sorry, not trying to blow up your spot. Your dad was just doing the best he could with the cards he was dealt. No father is perfect. And this is not to excuse abuse. I'm not trying to make light of abuse. I'm not here to just say, oh, just, just start feeling bad for him and then it'll all go away. Have a That's not how it works. You know that and I know that. But if there are seeds of hatred planted in you, if there are seeds of anger planted in you, and those seeds take root in you, and you feed them and water them with, with more anger and more hatred, it takes you down a dark path, and that's not what God has for you. It's not what he wants for you. So as best you're able to, I want to encourage you to start seeing your father through the eyes of compassion, or your mother. For me, it was my father, it wasn't my mother, but it might be different for you from your family of origin. The principles transfer. Your mother, your father, whoever it might be, to move to compassion and say, he, he or she was only doing the best they could with the cards they were dealt. They were themselves in pain. They were themselves struggling with stuff from their family of origin. Again, not to excuse abuse or, or that kind of terrible behavior, but to help you find a path towards healing. You'll never regret making that move from anger to compassion or taking a step towards it. And if you, if you don't know where to start, a great place might just be to start praying about it. And I know that sounds cheesy, but I mean, pray like this. God, I want to have compassion, but I don't. I'm just really angry. And I need you to help me move from point A to point B. That's just an honest prayer we could all pray, yeah? Like just a straight up honest, like gut level prayer. I want to do that. I don't know how. Help me begin to move towards compassion. That's an honest prayer we can all pray. And finally, walk in humility. Some of what we think is permanent isn't. Things change, and sometimes they change without our control, and seasons move on, and life stages move on, and things shift, and, and when that happens, I don't know about you, I hate it, I hate change, I like, just when it, like, I want everything to stay the same, change always rattles me. But if I can remember, and if you can remember, and if we can remember together, that the only unchanging thing in all the cosmos is God and his great love for you we'll find ourselves better able to stabilize in moments like September 11th or the turning of seasons or the turning of 50 or the turning of whatever might be going on in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the scriptures and we thank you for words whispered to us from thousands of years ago to walk in humility, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We thank you for the promise 
of your unchanging love for us. We pray for the discipline it'll take to cut off our credit cards and live within our means. We pray for the mental, emotional, and spiritual courage that it would take to move from anger to compassion with regard to our parents. And we pray for all that it will take for us to walk in humility and remember that you are the only unchanging thing in all the world. May it be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.